All right. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are exploring the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff to get the questions you need answered to build out your digital ecosystem. Today, I'm joined with Raj Sundarasan from WalkMe, and we're talking about digital adoption platforms and performance support. And Raj is extremely tired, so we're going to keep this peppy because we cannot have him fall asleep. How are you doing, Raj? I'm well, man. How are you doing? I am. I'm doing well. I just and, and remind everybody what time it is for you right now. Uh, it's just gone midnight. Just gone midnight. It's gone midnight. So he is officially breaking in the a Saturday to be here for everybody. Um, but before we get my into no, I know. And we've been we've been planning this one for a while. So it's nice to it's nice to finally be here. Uh, but before we get into it, right? You've had time to think about it. I don't know the answer to this one, but I'm looking forward to it. And for those of you watching, put your answer in the comments. But Raj, your question today is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Well, that's easy, man. Uh, easy. Easy. Power, okay. That's easy. It didn't take long. Uh, the, the power of persuasion. Power of persuasion. Now, that is not one I would have I would have thought of. Wow. Okay. So why? Why power of persuasion? When you got three kids, right? You got, <laughs> and they're driving you bonkers. You got to figure out how you can persuade them to do do what you need them to do when you need them to do it. So the power of persuasion, absolutely. Every month of Sundays, that's the superpower I'd like. Okay. Okay. So very practical answer on that one, right? Not not to influence changing the world, but just to get your kids to do what you want. That you know what? I actually may change. I was I was going to say flying because that to me has always been mine. If I could fly, but now I may be I may be moving over and changing my answer. That's that's good. Cool. All right. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay. Well, so let's get into it. So today we're talking about another acronym, right? And we have no shortage of them in our industries, the DAP, which is a digital adoption platform. And just in your in your words, how do you describe what a digital adoption platform is? Well, it, the easiest way to describe it is having technology uh, be able to seamlessly engage with the user to execute on a digital process. Right? Now that sounds a little bit you know, mumbo jumbo-y a little bit, but it's really, you know, if you think about a GPS that you have in the car, right, it's really basically taking uh, some intent and helping the end user execute it. It's not about learning, it's not about reading, it's not about training, it's about literally engaging with technology to execute on a digital process. Okay. Well, and that's right before we came live, this is what we were talking about, right? The analogy of the, of the, GPS versus the Rand McNally roadmap uh, for, for navigating and how, you know, to some degree, this is, it's so obvious the, the power of this, right? No, absolutely. I mean, I remember I was in, I was in Tokyo and I was trying to get to, um, I think it, I, I think it was the Salesforce building and I, you know, the, the Japanese taxi driver, I gave him the address and he was, you know, he first punched it into his, so-called GPS. So here's another note: not all GPSs are, you know, are born equal. Couldn't find it in his electronic GPS, and he took out his, you know, his map, and he couldn't find it there. So you know, I just plugged into Google Maps, and I said, "Hey, there you go," and off we went. So you know, there is a there is a shift that's coming along, and you know, I think that it, that example shows that landscapes are changing quite dramatically. Technology is shaping that change quite dramatically. And we've just got to figure out how we keep up and how we realize the value from some of this technology. And so on this topic, right, because I think that's a it's a good point to dive into because what you opened up is a little bit of a can of worms that we could start digging into. But on that, you know, when I think from an L and D practitioner side of things, the the common comparison I, I look at when I think of digital adoption platforms is the digital version and superior version of a job aid, right? We're not necessarily trying to teach everybody everything they need to know, but provide them with the guidance and support along the way. Is that a fair comparison or no? I think it's, I think it's a little bit more than that, right? Because okay. I think when you, when you think about a job aid, the job aid is pretty static. So it it's, is. it's making an assumption that you're going through uh, a process in a particular way. 
But the reality of the human condition is it never follows a job aid. That's so true. if you think about it, you may need help at different parts of the process. So we've got a lot of data now, right? And I can tell you now, I mean, the, the sample size that we're working off is, you know, about 750 million end users on our platform. And I now can tell you that probably 63% of users are looking for help midstream of a process. Okay. So if you had a job aid, I mean, how would you guess which part of the process someone would need help in? So a, a digital adoption platform really is, you know, phase one is trying to map out, okay, do I turn left, do I turn right? Phase two is, okay, at what point do I think the technology may need to engage with the end user to help them along the way? So I'll give you an example. Um, let's say, you're, you know, one of, one of your processes is to come and, you know, update some banking details. And uh, all of a sudden, you key in uh, the wrong format. And what we found <laughs> through our, our platform is 83% of men think that there is a hyphen in, bank, in a bank account number. And as a result, if you put in a hyphen in a bank account number and it goes downstream, there's an error that pops up. So guess what? Because we know that, right, we can proactively engage with someone. Say, hey, no hyphens. Thanks very much, right? And if you did put one in, we'd pick it up at source and figure it out. So I think, you know, this whole notion of a digital adoption platform is a little bit more than, you know, uh, you know, a job aid. I think it is, yeah. it's, it's helping the end user execute on things, but it takes a, I would, I'd like to say it takes into consideration the blending of three things in application guidance, proactive engagement and automation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. And that makes sense. And I think the job aid analogy is more the, that was the limitation of what we had in the past. That, Cause that's really what we were trying to do with, with job. I mean, I remember I used to work for a software company and, and that's what our goal was to say, Hey, let's try and help people through these process. But again, with the limitation of the technology, we didn't know where they were breaking down. We didn't know how to predict where things were going wrong. So you try to account for everything and put it in a format that's as digestible as possible. But what you're talking about, the technology is now allowing us to do the things we wish we could have done in the past, but it's, it, we just, we were limited. No, that, that's fair. I think the what the technology has allowed us to do, it's actually, it's lifted the cover on, on a couple of things. I think the first one is uh, to understand the degree of personalization you need to go through. Okay. Because when you think about it, you know, we've got, you know, three, four, five generations in the workforce today. Um, now, when you think about that, um, you've also got to understand that these generations have different digital IQ. And when you've got a different digital IQ, now all of a sudden, you know, your support mechanisms have to change. They've got to evolve very quickly. Um, and, you know, you can, only, you can only evolve if you're actually leveraging the data. And the data is actually quite profound, quite powerful. Uh, and, and so I think that's the first part. Because uh, for the longest time, we thought, you know, one size fits all model was the way to go. And guess what? Because it wasn't technology, it was down to the human uh, being building up content. It's kind of hard to deal with the multi-generational workforce without the use of software. That's true. That's true. And and we'll talk about that a little bit because I've implemented some of these and and there are some things that you have to consider. But before we start digging deeper into it, just to help people get a feel for what we're talking about, you know, and I, and I liken it to the 2020 version of Clippy from Microsoft Office, <laughs> but better, right? That was the first generation of it. Can you pull it up just so people, we can talk through a little bit when sure. we're talking about this, you know, enablement, combination of automation, real-time support and guidance? Yes, but what does that look like? Sure, absolutely. I'm trying to get this on here. Let me share the screen. You should be able to see my screen, okay? Yep, let me bring it into stream. All right. So can you see my, my email on the screen I right can. now? I can. Cool. You see this little walk me button at the bottom right? Yep. The the 2020 version of Clippy right there, I'm telling you. Oh, come on. Come on. It's better. It's much more beautiful. All right. Let me give you an example. Okay. Let me just open this up. So so you know, I I come to work, I've got a whole bunch of um, personalization um, tasks at the bottom, which are, you know, based on my role whatever I want to do. Um, and you know, I'll give you an example. If I want to take some time off, and I just want to say, you know, vacation, right? If I want to take some 
right? You know, now, now all of a sudden I'm, I'm in a conversation, right? And, you know, yes, I'm in a US employee. Uh, when's the start date? Well, you know, if I wanted to say uh, tomorrow, you know, what's, what's the end date? Let's just pick an end date and say it's the 30th. So, you know, you, you see the different blended uh, communication. Let's say I'm going to take some planned time off. And I'm not doing anything, right? Uh, I'll just yep. say this is a demo, so it doesn't get recorded on. Now, I'm sat back. I'm not doing anything, right? It takes me through some single sign-on, which I haven't switched on, right? And now I go straight into uh, the application. I don't have to think about what I'm doing. It knows the process that I'm trying to execute on. And so as you see... This is where the automation's actually kicking in right now. It's correct. It's just taking the content that I plugged into the bot, the automation is taking it through there, and it's done. So there's a mixture of. I see your hands off. waving. So if people are watching, right, you're not you're not controlling anything. The machine has taken over and is taking care of this for you. Absolutely, absolutely. I've done nothing here. I mean, you want me to show you another one? Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, this. So that's is an example of the automation side of it, where it's actually doing the work for you. Correct. Correct. So now let me show you. This is this is my favorite. Can you see my screen? I can. Okay, so this is an example that I mocked up for one of a prospect, right? So, you know, you get these traditional long emails when you first join the company. Everybody gets excited. Yeah, you know, welcome. Love the fact that you joined us. You know, I, you know, there are a couple of things that I think you need to be doing for us. You know, and then we just bore you with this email that goes on forever <laughs> and ever and yep. ever and ever. And, and, you know, and we never, ever delete this email, but we never actually ever use it. But this is the first digital experience that you have with your company. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, this is a real email. Here's the one email with all the links to everything you'll ever need in your entire tenure in this company. Don't lose it. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly here, it basically says there are two things here. It says, listen, please remember to update your bank details by the end of the month, right? Um, and the next thing is, oh, because we haven't been too... Uh, you know, we haven't been on the ball with regards to your arrival. We got you an old laptop. Please go and buy a new laptop. So when you think about that, you know, this happens, right? This I happens. know it does. I've been involved in onboarding more than right? times than I'd like to count. And so now just think about what, what was what would be going on, right? People would be running around trying to figure out how do I update my bank details? I mean, right. How do I order a laptop? I can't do anything because I'm sitting here at my desk. So, so look, I don't think, you know, people go out and they change bank details on a regular basis, right? So I don't think there is much value in learning how to update your bank details because you don't do it on an everyday basis. But I think there's intrinsic value in making sure you got it right because if you don't, you don't get paid, right? Yeah. Pretty, pretty powerful stuff. And the laptop thing, similar. So what we thought is, you know, why don't we pull this all together, right? And what would that look like? And, you know, all I have to do is, you know, I click on this link. Right. And what happens is it takes me across to an application, which you should be able to see on the screen. Right. Now it says, hey, hopefully you can see this. I'm your onboarding assistant. All you need to do is click start and relax. And my hands are off the screen. And what what Walton is doing right now is automating uh, the nine clicks uh, that typically I'd have to take. I'd have to do to get me to where I need to get to. And when it's time to do some work. You know, it'll say, hey, Raj, okay, now it's time to do something. I click next. This is the guidance. It says, hey, pick up, um, you know, choose a bank. So, okay, I like NZ Bank. I click next. It's now asking me to put in an account number. Now, watch what you're happens. In, you're not, are you in the 83% that's going to try and throw a, a dash in there? I'm doing that just to show it to you. You're absolutely <laughs> right. So, so the analytics actually had picked up from us, you know, that, you know, about 83% of uh, errors in this field, that means, you know, making an error in, yep. in a bank account uh, were actually men, men. So, you know, it, proactively saying, hey, hang on a second, right? Because you know the downstream implications of this. And if you don't catch it here, it creates problems down the supply chain over and over and over. And it's more to clean up than it would if you just caught it here. Absolutely. So, you know, forget about the, the, the overall employee experience. Just think about the mess, the time and energy to go clean it all up. So you, you, you solve for data. 
Well, and to uh, some degree, to your point about the employee experience, it actually is destructive to the employee experience because now they don't get paid. They don't find out till they don't get paid. And now they're chasing down what happened to try and correct it. So it actually can be pretty destructive even to the employee experience if you miss this. Oh, no, absolutely. So, so you know, that's picked up. I click next, right? And usually at this point, people forget there's actually another thing I had to do, right? Um, and that next thing that I need to do is actually go get that laptop, right? Yep. Now, traditionally, you'd be running around saying, where do I get it done? Well, you know, I just click on next, right? It says, okay, let's go get this done. And I have no idea where I'm going, right? But it takes me across to, you know, this, this engine called ServiceNow. I have no idea how to, where, what I'm supposed to do or I'm supposed to click. But guess what? We automate all of that. It takes you straight to the page where the laptop section is, right? Yep. So I know that there are two options that I have. I pick the MacBook, I click on order now. And, you know, it says it'll be delivered to my desk and I click next and guess what? You, you, know, you just, checked off your two boxes. You're ready to be an employee now. Absolutely. And more importantly, it's now asking, was that any good? You know, was that very helpful? Yes or no? You know, I get to now survey an employee who's had a wonderful experience. And if I really, really uh, wanted to get more feedback, it's all there. Right? So, so, you know, that's what, that, that's what this business Yeah, no, well, and I think that's a, that's a really helpful. So, you know, if you're watching right now and you have been or you're watching later on the, you know, the recording of it, that's that's a great overview of, of what it's doing. Now, two things come to mind and I, and I'd love, I think we can have an interesting discussion around this. The first one is this. I'm, I know for a fact in some industries and just some folks seeing all that automation just happen can be a little terrifying thinking. So that has to do that. You know, we can't have a system automating all this stuff. That's not necessarily, it always has to automate everything. Correct. Just to clarify on that. Look, it's about the right blend. Yeah. Okay. The key, the key, you know, we talked about, you know, not all GPSs were born equal. I mean, yeah. this, this is, this is, well, and this is where you've got to, you've got to figure out. So the key to a digital adoption platform is that in itself. What is the platform? And most people think the platform, first of all, is about working in a web environment. We believe it's supposed to work on any environment, right? So whether it's a web environment, a native mobile application, a desktop application, non-premise application, and so forth. That, that, that's the first part. Then you've got the layers, right? So you've got the guidance, you've got the engagement, you've got the automation. Yep. Now, the key is, and this is where the data comes, comes from, it's, it's incredible. What we learned was, you know, some organizations said, hey, I just want to build the steps, right? Step one, two, three, four. Well, what we learned was once you got past step 10 in a flow, uh, there was a 63% chance of abandonment rate once you went past step 10. Okay. Okay, so uh, hang on a second. You know, so how am I supposed to narrow everything down? Well, what we then found out was, you know, there are a lot of uh, what I would call um, repetitive clicks in those pieces that really add no value to the equation. Okay. So why don't I automate some of that? So now all of a sudden, when I automate that together with the guidance, I've gone from a 20-step process to a seven-step process, but the rest of it's been automated. Yeah. Right? Well, now, right, because so many of those clicks are not value add. They're not necessarily things we need people to experience or get their input. It's like, just get them to the step we need them to get to. Correct. Correct. And, and then on top of that, you know, you've also got to remember, you don't always have to have it on, right? Because remember, a DAP is on in the background. So you can switch it off. And when you need the help, just ask for it, right? Because a really good digital adoption platform will be like a GPS. They, you know, it will know where you are, and therefore it'll be able to trigger what help you need. So from a, and again, from a regulatory standpoint, I know that can, you know, put the hair up on some people's necks that this platform knows where you are. It's seeing what you're doing. How do you, how do you navigate that? Or how do you get, you know, help people work through that? Cause I, I'm, and again, I think that's a mindset a little bit of being terrified of that, but it's in some realities, there are some things we do have to be careful with. 
No, look, uh, when, when, you know, I, before I came to Walk Me, I was a customer, right? And I, I, was, I was somewhat concerned about this. But when you peel back the onion around the technology, what you'll understand is all we're doing uh, from a data perspective is collecting information around the clicks. So we're collecting metadata, not actual data. So, you know, if I key in, you know, one, two, three, four, all that what me understands is I've keyed in four digits. I don't know what the numbers are. So in terms of uh, PII, you know, GDPR and all that type of stuff, it's all, it's, it's all good. It's all good. It's not making the connection that, hey, in this field, this is someone typing in, right, this social security number or this confidential yeah. information about the company. It just knows, hey, this is a numeric input field and this is the format of the numeric input that we're supposed to be putting in and I'm checking for that. That's what it's doing with the bank account. It's not saying, hey, this is the field of everyone's bank account that it's then storing in the background. If, if that was the case, we wouldn't have all these banks who, who have trusted us with their transformation journeys. You know, companies like Standard Chartered Bank, you know, Wells right. Fargo, State Farm. I mean, you know, all these companies have trusted us with what we do, right? So, yeah. Well, and it's a, but it's a fair point to demystify that because that's, right, the doomsday side of people goes there that, you know, this this technology is capturing all this information and storing all this data, and, and it's not. It's, it's watching what you're doing and just making sure that what you're supposed to be putting in or when you're supposed to be putting things is at the right point at the right time. No, that's fair, that's fair. So the other one that I'm, I'm curious your take on this, because this is one of the things that, so I look at GPS and sometimes, uh, you know, I think it, it, in some regards, can make, in, make a little bit of things challenging. Is So I look at GPS and some people now are so reliant on their GPS, even the same day-to-day -day things that, you know, normally they wouldn't need to plug in their GPS. They need to plug in their GPS to find the grocery store that's just down the street because they've just become so reliant on that. So how do you balance that? Or would you say you know what, the types of activities that people are leaning on, we, there's no reason for them to waste, you know, brain power on knowing how to do these things. It's an, it, it's an interesting question. I mean, you know, when, when we come back to the, the overall mission of the company, right? So our company is founded on a basic mission. You know, how do we impact humanity? Okay. And, and, and the way we look at it is, um, if we can help someone engage with the technology to get a better outcome, a quicker outcome, uh, so that they can go and you know either become more productive at work or go home and hug the kids, um, then so be it. And whether that means leveraging uh, the platform uh, for every process or, or what, what have you, so be it. The key at the end of the day is you know uh, seamlessly engage to execute. That's the key. Now, do I think that, you know, we, we've got to a point where everybody's using this as a crutch every day? No. Why? Because uh, we're only going to use it for processes that, you know, we've either forgotten, are new, right? Or there's a degree of uh, unfamiliarity because of the complexity. So I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, it's going to become, we become brainless uh, Brainless humans who are just <laughs> We just clean. don't know what we're doing. We just show up behind our computer and let the thing uh, take over. No, sorry, sorry to disappoint. You know, there's no that isn't happening. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> Rats. Okay. Well, so but on that, you know, when we when we think about it in that sense, because I want to talk a little bit about the mindset that goes behind this. Because I will say, having worked in this space and, and worked on implementations of this, that is a shift for learning and development in many regards in how we think about this because go back to the earlier point of the conversation where you know, you're talking about some of these things and you were saying you know we don't we don't necessarily need to teach people how to put in bank account information because that's not something they need to learn that's a mindset shift because there are there are, you know it's easy to get into our traditional l d space and say well we need to educate them on the why why you need to put in your bank account information and you know the history behind that. And it's like, no, you don't, because that really is irrelevant. Let's just jump to getting it done. And, and again, I think that's moving from more of a learning education mindset to more of a performance mindset of 
well, what do you need to do to get the job done as quickly and as efficiently as possible? Do you see that when you work with people that there's a bit of a mindset shift that they have to make as they step into this space? Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I don't want to insult anybody, but you know, the, the, the big, the big thing that I, I, when I go into organizations and, and share with them what's going on uh, in, in the broader world of digital transformations is I said, you know, the, the first thing you've got to acknowledge is that, you know, we've got to, we're still in many organizations using a 20th century mindset to solve a 21st century problem. I think that's the first part, right? Organizations have spent, you know, a bucket load of money on new software, but they're attacking it predominantly from, in my mind, from a different, from a wrong angle, you know, and that's why so many digital transformation programs haven't, you know, resulted in the benefits that they had hoped. That's that's number one. I think number two, if you, if you're from L and D, you know, one of the things that I I would recommend people starting to think about is the function of L and D and content needs to evolve to what is the business problem we're trying to solve. Okay, I'll give you an example. I mean, I had, I had the fortune, the great fortune, of sitting down with a, a gentleman by the name of Tobias Washington from. Uh, uh, Christus Health, and 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 he said, look, when when we deployed the digital adoption platform, the first thing I did from an L and D perspective was to go and hunt down um, how I could make an impact on the business. And his very first use case was uh, putting data validation on a form uh, because finance was saying that there was revenue leakage because certain codes weren't being put on the form, so therefore they couldn't basically get the money in from you know from insurance and so forth yep. and just by putting some data validation around that because he thought about the business problem he was seeing i mean they were seeing you know upwards of a million dollars a month i mean that's you know how lnd should be thinking about it because they're yep. thinking about the business problem so i always i always say to people don't think about what and why you've already figured that out think about how how am I going to try and figure out the problem? What is the problem we're trying to solve here? Well, and before we came live, that's it's such an important and and we talked about this before that sometimes the biggest changes they're so simple and they're right in front of our face and we don't we don't see it that way. And I, I shared with you the conversation I you know had a while back with somebody who had struggled with a digital adoption platform. And when I really dug into it with them, what they had done was instead of look at the business problem and tried to solve that, they'd said, we have all this e-learning content and we want to get that e-learning content to people where they need it. And so they were using the digital adoption platform simply to push e-learning content to people in the system. And they said, well, our, our goal was to get it to people not in the LMS, to get it to them when they're in the system. And it was like, that's not, you're solving the wrong problem. You're solving your perceived problem instead of the problem of you know, what do people actually need when they're out there? No, that's fair. And, 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 you know, part of what we've learned over the years, what I've learned over the years is very simple, right? We, we, we've got this little bit of a definition, you know, what, you know, what is this whole notion? And it's, you know, to seamlessly engage, to execute, which is cool. And people buy into that. But I said, it has to be in the context of, of you know, accelerating revenue imperatives or to take friction out of cost or, to manage risk. So as you're building this content, it can't just be about, oh, let me take you to a portal. It's actually, what is it going to result in, right? Yep. So as you're building the content, before you start building the content, you got to think about what you're measuring. And when you understand what you're measuring, then you reverse engineer yep. what you're building. And I think for the longest time, we've, we, we've got, the, we've got the, the origination steps the wrong way around, right? And I think suddenly technology is now saying, hey, hang on a second. You know, if we know this is kind of the problem, then why wouldn't we build content to solve that problem? Instead, we're building content first and hoping it solves the problem. That, I think, is this notion when I talk about trying to solve a 21st century problem with the 20th century mindset. I think that's where the technology is going to help us evolve. That's where the technology is going to help organizations have a competitive advantage. And that's where I think L&D if they rethink the function that they have today. And when I think about, talk about rethinking the function, traditional L&D was about, you know, maybe instructional designers. Um, the future of L&D to me is more about UX, 
rather than instructional designers. That's my personal view because ultimately, if you're if you're out of step with your end user, and by the way, your end user is a multitude of generations with a multitude of digital IQ, then you may not be relevant enough for them. And that's the part that we've got to try and figure out. Well, and that's where I feel with our our field, our industry, it's it's about what you just talked about, but we need to do a better job of that, of what problem are we trying to solve? Because you can swing the pendulum too far in either way and say, well, we're just going to move to this. Everything's about UX. And it's like there still is an element of there are times, depending on the problem you're trying to solve, where that instructional piece is important, right? There are times that is valuable. Where we've over-indexed is we've assumed that that's always the problem and that's always the step we move forward with versus let's figure out what is it we're trying to solve? What are the tools we, we need to solve it with? And then let's, like you said, reverse engineer what the right solution is instead of force fitting the solution we want to come up with into the situation. Yeah, I mean, you know, just think about this today, right? Technology has propelled us into an arena where the data that's coming out from these platforms, right, allows us to make decisions or recommendations that reduce the chances of, uh, I would say, as failing. So, so why not leverage them? Why, why, as you said, why assume? Why assume when we, why, when we, when we today, today we can actually see and understand with a degree of confidence what is required? Right, that's the part. And I yeah. think the, and, and I think I think that's part one. I think part two is just to understand, just to understand the next is that no workforce is going to to be, uh, you know, homogenous in nature. So there's going to be uh, there's going to be a need, right, across the board for different types of content at different parts of the journey. You will have users in the workforce who still want that job aid sat next to them, and probably have the ability to focus through step by step. Yep. But then you may have a millennial who has no time to read anything or no in inclination to read anything. And like, heck, you know, why is this as simple as Amazon? Click, click, off I go. And yep. so, you, so, so ultimately, you know, there is no one size fits all. There is, that's absolutely the case. So we've got to create within these models a degree of flexibility that, you know, they accommodate, right, uh, the broad spectrum of users. So they don't feel that they're being, you know, ostracized from the full digital experience or the full technology experience. Yep. Well, and I think that's, for me, where I see technology really giving us more horsepower to do things. But we have to get it right, right? We have to approach it right, because if we approach it wrong and just throw more tech at it, it's it's a recipe for disaster. But I look at it, a simple example was, you know, for me personally, you talk about this personalization, and I think this is where technology is really opening the doors for what can be done. People are different. And you know, for me, I would rather just do it. That's my personality. Just let me do it versus I don't need all the background information. I may be interested in that as it comes in, but some people really do need that. And the better we can get at approaching all of those modalities, the better we are. And, and I think that's where you know, what we're what we're looking at allows us to do that much more efficiently than it did 10, 15 years ago, where we were in many cases resource or capability limited to do some of these things. Listen, $2 trillion. I think people should write that number down. $2 trillion is the amount of money and services wrapped together that has been spent on technology in the recent past. Right, so over the last 20, 20 years in across digital transformation programs, right? That's the amount of money that people have thrown at this thing without thinking about the problem that we're trying to solve. And I and and look, I get it, you know, when you when you also look back over the course since you know the Fortune 500 list has come to being, I think you know that came to being, I think it was in 55 or 65. Um, there are only 60 companies left on that Fortune 500 list. So the pressure on organizations to, well, I wouldn't say innovate, but to refresh their technology stack, get ready for the future generations and all this wonderful stuff. I, I get the pressure. Uh, I don't think that they've really used the opportunity to rethink their business models. And that's a different story altogether. Yeah, different story. but That's yeah. a whole different story altogether. <laughs> but, 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 but 
I, I get the pressure on organizations, you know, to buy technology. I think what people, what, what organizations need to need to do is press pause, try and understand the human condition that they have, and then try and figure out how they can extract the best out of that human side of the equation to leverage what they've bought. And I think if organizations spend a little bit more time on that, we'd probably see a better outcome. And I think our and I think in L and D we could do the same, right? Not just organizations. I I've seen it many times where you know we're chasing the next the next technology platform for learning and development without saying what platforms do we have? Are we using them to the full capability that we are capable? You know that is there. And then let's decide where are the gaps that we still need to fill so that we can move forward. So I think it's I think it's a fair statement for organizations. I think it's a fair statement if we look in the mirror at what we're doing. So let let me let me shift over to this because I think this is an important thing to talk through. Is you know, you people got a chance to see what WalkMe does, and it it's cool stuff, right? The ability to automate that to give people the real time support in there, but that's not the flick of a switch, <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't sign the contract with WalkMe and say, "Great, we've got a digital adoption platform," and then you just turn it on and suddenly all this stuff is there. So let's talk a little bit about what does that look like for an organization? We talked about the first step is you gotta shift your mindset so you're thinking about this completely differently. But then once you actually get into this, what does that look like to actually make it work the way you just had it work there? Cause that's not, a, that's not an instant fix. Look, um, it's actually quite simple, uh, believe it or not. I, I mean, I. I could teach you guys how to build pretty quickly. Um, how, how it works is this, right? You don't need a coding background. What you need to do is understand the process. That's the first level. And literally, because there's a, there's a human algorithm associated with it, you open up an editor, you, you know, you, it, it then basically exposes the HTML on a page, you tag an element, and you're literally just building your flows as you go. That, that's, that, that, that's, that's level one. Now, the building of the stuff is easy. I'll tell you where the hard stuff is. The hard stuff is thinking about the permutations of what the end user is going to end up doing, right? So where is the end user going to come in from, right? Do I need to proactively engage with that end user and draw them into the equation? I'll give you an example of that in a moment. Or do, 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 am I thinking about the end user who has absolutely no interest in coming into the application but just wants to get it done from a desktop like I showed you earlier, yep. right? Now, on top of that, then, you know, should I start blending automation? Should I put some data validation in there? What happens if I have to go from one system to the other? So it's not necessarily the, the, the logic of building the content. It's actually starting to think a little bit more around the context of the user and how you think they're going to engage with technology. And that's where the real fun comes because now you're spending more time trying to really think about digital employee experience rather than anything else, right? So let me just share my screen again. Yeah. And we'll show you what, what, what that really, what, what that kind of looks like. Okay, so let's just click on that, click on that. Okay, you should be able to see uh, my screen. Can you see the screen? Here we go, yep. All right, so let me just go here. Uh, all right, so you should see my Google page. I do. And can you see this little pop-up that just come out? It says you, you have not completed your goals. Hey, you know, this is very appropriate for beginning of the year stuff. So, yeah, I can see that. Okay. So, management time. Let's do this, Raj. There you go. So, no, put, no this, this, is a real, this is a real life stuff. This is real stuff. I mean, put it this way, right? So, so you open up goal setting, right? I know every employee, every person listening to this, this podcast right now, I know we all wake up every morning energized to do goal setting. I know we love it. <laughs> passionate about it. The and thing we, about it. We, we're thinking about the system. We're putting it in. We want to know everything about it. Yes. You know, but, but think about this, right? As, as, you know, as the timeline goes, right, what happens is, is you get closer to the cutoff. What then happens? All these notifications get sent out. Guess what? What do people do? They, they, they just delete, delete them. them all, right? <laughs> then, and, then, and then what happens? That's human behavior. <laughs> Correct. And then, and then what happens? The phone calls start coming. First, it comes from your manager. Hey, you better do it. Then it comes from your manager's manager. And then finally, what happens is people just complete the process for the sake of completing the process, not because, you know, they'd like to do it properly. 
Make but the pain stop. Just make the yeah. pain stop. Right. So here's an example. Here we're engaging with the end user. I call them the reactive user, saying, "Hey, listen, something to do here. Why don't you come and get it done?" Right. And all they do is just click on "Guide Me." Right. One click of the button takes them into the application. And then, if you look at the top right-hand corner, sorry, left-hand corner, uh, there's a guidance balloon that basically says, "You know, just click on Home, click on Goals, then off you go." Right, so it's as simple as that. So when you when you're thinking about these things, right, it's it's not about just building the content. It's thinking about the context in which you want to deploy the content. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, and that's a good example, right, right there where you did that. That it wasn't a hundred percent automated. That was more of the guide me approach, where you are walking through some of those steps and letting people alive. So you have that flexibility, and it goes back to that. Think about the problem you're trying to solve. And what are you trying to accomplish? And then use the tool in the right way. Well, yeah, I mean, I can, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's another one. If I wanted to use the the action bot to to, to complete yeah. that, I could as well. So all of a sudden, now you're having a completely different uh, experience in terms of you know how how to go about engaging with the end user to complete the process. Let me let me let me pick that up and give give okay. the audience a view of what that looks like. Um, there we go. All right. Can you see the screen? Okay. Brought it in. Yep, we brought it in. All right. So you see this little this little bot at the top. Um, yep. Let me just pause for a moment. Everybody thinks, oh, is that another chat bot? Well, look. <laughs> you know. So look, there, there are chat bots and then there's an action bot. What's the difference? Well, a chat bot, if you ask it a question, it typically retrieves information for you, and then you're supposed to try and decipher through things. Um, an action bot is you have a conversation and the bot goes and does what you ask it to do. Pretty okay. simple. So it's kind of like your yeah. little action robot. You just tell it what you need and then it takes care of it for you. It's a step Correct. above a chat bot. Absolutely. So in this case, I haven't done this in a while, so I hope it hasn't broken, but let's have a look here. So let's create a goal. <laughs> All right. So what's the goal name? So the goal name is 2020, the year we are are all successful okay so you Big can goal. you know there you go what is the metric 100 percent of days of happiness right come on we gotta aim high right what it doesn't matter if you get your job done but boy if you are happy we have done it there you go start date uh where we at start date first of jan Okay, let's see where that works. What's the, the end date? Let me move the calendars through this. 365 days of happiness. There you go. Wow. I told you, 525,000. Know, <laughs> He's going to break into song again. I'm telling you, 525,000. Okay, I better stop. I, hey, uh, you know what? I was My goal was to get you to do it, and you did it. So there you go. There you go. So now, look, I'm not, I'm not doing anything, right? I mean, this thing is taken uh, it's, it's on its way I'm hoping it works I haven't done this in a while um, it's opening up the goal form and there you go if you look on the screen right now you should be able to see yep it did it for you and then it, and then it pauses for you to validate that it did Correct. it but there you go 2020 the so listen the first the first example was you know going out there and proactively engaging with what I call a reactive user saying, hey, listen, come in and do this thing, right? The second example was a proactive user saying, okay, I want to come do it, but I didn't necessarily want to go and engage with all this technology. I just want to have a conversation and just do it for me. Okay. And, you know, that's, you know, that's the sexiness of what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to give the end user the option, the opportunity, right, for different experiences, and I think I think that's where L and D needs to sort of like rethink, you know, the role they're playing because that's the exciting part. It's not it's not the building of the content. The right. building of the content is 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 the result. It's the byproduct. It's 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 really trying to understand the human condition, and that's why I think the real excitement should be for L and D. I I, would, I completely agree with you on that one. Now with that. And I want to bring this back up because this is something, and I'm curious how WalkMe typically handles this for organizations. Because while it, you know, I know you said it's easy, 
and, and maybe the actual building's easy, but what you're talking about to truly build something that doesn't feel like Crystal Palace syndrome, you really need to understand what the users are doing. You need to understand how people are engaging with this technology so that you can build these things. And then you have to build them and then you have to maintain them, which is right because systems change, the way things move change. How do you help organizations balance that from a resource standpoint? You know, what types of resources do they need to have? What kind of timelines? Because I've seen this go off the rails a bit, where people start thinking about this stuff, and all of a sudden they're trying to think of literally everything, and soon the list of things is so long and so overwhelming that it's it becomes just a maintenance and build nightmare. How do you help people balance that? Okay, uh, it's a really good question. Um, and I just had to do it this morning after I landed with a with, with a customer. With right, because people get excited about it. They do. They right. see this and they're like, oh my goodness, we could do this and we could do this and, and this and this and this and, 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 and on every system that we have. And pretty soon you look at it and go, holy smokes, what have we, what have we got ourselves into? Okay, so there are a few facets here, and, and I'm not. I, hopefully, I won't waffle too long. So the first part is okay. I'll call you uh, if, if you do. <laughs> okay. So the, so the first, the, the most important thing, as I state, as I stated earlier, before you start, try and figure out what is the business problem you're trying to solve. Is it a revenue problem? Is it a cost problem? Is it a risk problem? Okay, that's the first part. Now, once you've figured that, the next part in the equation is to find out. At what part of the digital transformation continuum are you? Okay, so let me explain. Um, and it may be easier if I just if I, if I just pull up a slide because I think this yeah. is really really important because this is part of the learning that we've got from um, uh, from our customers. Uh, and let me just put that there. Let me share screen again. Uh, click on that. Share screen there. 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 Can you see my screen? Okay. I can. Okay, so you know, I, I think it, all of us who've gone through a transformation program uh, have probably seen a, a, <laughs> this type of journey. You know, pre-implementation, we, we fall into that little valley of despair, uh, and then we kind of freak out a little bit because we promised leadership that we'd get somewhere on that blue line. You know, yep. Uh, and then they say, "Oh, you're all charlatans. You're you know, you're misrepre misrepresented stuff." Right. This is where the stuff comes. Like, oh, we we promised the world and and we didn't deliver, and this is all a bunch of nonsense. And 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 so what, what we spent a lot of time, and this is you know, this is a lot of the, the the research work that you know I've been I've been privy to, which has been such a wonderful experience. We sat down with uh, you know program owners, and we said, "Look, how do we help you navigate?" gravitate towards that blue line. So the first one is, you know, figure out you know, what's the business problem. Is it revenue, cost, or risk? And then in what context? Now, it's, it's interesting. So the first context that, you know, I'd encourage people to think about is, you know, if, if, if this is a new implementation, well, guess what? You know, think about, you know, building content for that user testing phase. You know, you know that wonderful part of the program where you bring people into Yep. into the program, you give them the scripts. The change think, management of it. Uh, just think, and then they start playing around, and guess what? How many of them actually follow the script? None, yep. right? They go off reservation, they complain about everything else except for doing the script, and you know that just drags out UAT, so to speak. Now, if you were already live, all you had to do is just deploy the technology, and you know, the analytics starts telling you, hey, you might want to think about these things. The next thing, uh, you know, is probably to start thinking about, okay, are you trying to solve a system onboarding task? Because if you're trying to solve a system onboarding piece, then, you know, the content that you're trying to build, right, would be very different from if it was something else. The next part is, well, maybe, you know, you're, you, you've already, you know, you've already looked at support ticket information, right? Um, and you say, well, hang on a second, then these are the ones that I need to build because, you know, people may just. These are all the support them. tickets, right? We know this is where people are breaking down. Correct, correct. And then what happens is, you know, you might, you might be thinking about building content during a functional release, right? So all of a sudden, you know, I'm gonna, there's going to be a whole bunch of new functionality within, I don't know, performance management or, you know, a change job or whatever it may be. Right. So I think. I the think, interface has changed, things like that. Absolutely. So I think what I'm getting towards is, first of all, understand the context. The next part, then try and understand which part of the journey you're on. 
so, so what happens then is you're just building what I would say bite-sized amounts of content to serve that purpose. Because if you don't do that, you end up just building a whole bunch of content that you know may be completely unnecessary and completely irrelevant and just takes up a lot of time. And so I always say to people, you know, if it's a HR deployment, for example, just follow the HR calendar. Don't build stuff, you know, which is further down the tree when you've got, you know, a, a performance uh, appraisal cycle right in front of you. Build what you need first. Let the analytics and guide you to what you need to build next. Uh, and then iterate. Because guess what? You may find out that you don't have to build all that content that you thought you needed. Right. Because guess what? The data is telling you, well, I only need to, I only need a subset of it. And that's the incredible part of this whole thing. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. What is the problem you're trying to solve? And then when those other things come at you, because they do, right? That, that always happens. Well, what if we also did this? What if we also add that? And I feel like in L&D, we should be very used to that. Right. Because people say, hey, we need to we need to do some learning or we need to do some training on this. And even when you identify that problem, someone says, well, what if we also told people this or can't we also add this? It's about being able to say, well, but does that tie back to the outcome we're driving towards? And if not. Not now, let's 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 hold on that and see what the data tells us. Is that is that fair? That, that, that's really fair. I mean, I, I give you an example around uh, a business problem. So uh, one of our customers, Standard Chartered Bank, um, you know, they, they use us on, on, on five, five HR applications. And the business problem they were trying to solve was, uh, was to improve uh, the, the quality and the participation rates of the media review process. Okay. Right? Uh, so, so to give you a sense, right, uh, 100,000 employee organization, uh, going through huge transformation in the bank, uh, tr you know, and trying to get alignment uh, through the organization is kind of tough. And in, I think in 2018, the media review process, I mean, they had, their the, the scores were, you know, kind of kind of soft. I mean, they were, they were in the teens, you know, 13, 14% actually completing media reviews, which is kind of nuts. Um, but, you know, when they, when they rolled out Walkney and they started thinking about the the problem that they were trying to solve, they they went about engaging the user in a different way, and and the results are quite incredible. I mean, they went from you know 13, 14 percent the year before to 93 percent um, in 2019. That's that's a serious change. <laughs> okay. No, no. So the so that's the first part. Okay. Yeah. The second part was the quality of what was going through the systems improved quite dramatically, uh, right. because and how we figured this out was. You know, we have these things called smart tips where you can actually uh, bring in the content from the quick reference guides into the process. And I think 63% of users referred to those smart tips for the content required in those particular fields. So now all of a sudden, you know, people who traditionally would, you know, who needed the help but couldn't be bothered to look for the quick reference guide because it was yeah. hidden some drawer somewhere or somewhere in, that email that's at the bottom of their you know inbox right. sharepoint uh, desert you know in the middle of nowhere uh, they they now had that content at the you know at the fingertips that was number two right so now all of a sudden yeah. you had greater participation uh, the quality of what quality was, was up was, was up now this is this is the real kicker right they were able to do a b testing right those who were using walk me or a digital adoption platform Right, we're completing the system component of the process a whole forty minutes faster than those who did. Okay, yeah. yep. so so think about that for a moment, right? So, a you've got higher participation, greater quality. You save forty minutes an employee, which now allows you to do a couple of things, right? A it gives the manager the opportunity to uh, have a proper conversation because we've got an extra 40 minutes or it gives you an opportunity to go and do, you know, either some revenue generating Maybe some time back. Absolutely. I'll go hug your kids or whatever it may be. So, and, you know, that's the qualitative stuff. If you think about the quantitative stuff and you just say for a moment, let's just do the math around the 40 minutes. Yeah. That you got 40 back. minutes times the improved efficiency. I mean, that's, those are dollars and cents right there. Absolutely. And, 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 and this, 
right? This is what we're talking about, you know, the application of the context. And that's so important. And that's where L&D really has a role to play. Because, you know, uh, who else is going to do it? I, I think that's <laughs> a great summary. And it, it does. It wraps up, you know, and I told you, we're getting to the top of the hour. Um, and it's almost one in the morning. So you're awake. That's that's impressive. Uh, but well, I think got, that, I'm excited about this stuff. I mean, who could right? be excited? Well, good. It, it is exciting. And that's the thing about it is it is exciting. And, and several weeks ago, I, I was talking with someone on here about automation. And sometimes people are really nervous about that. But you look at this and the example you just gave talks about the fact hey, it's improving the quality of the work we're doing. But it's also giving us time back because how much time do we spend on these just rote processes, things like that? And, and we're not thinking about it that way. We're, we're afraid of it when, in fact, really, this can be giving us time back to spend time on the higher order things or the things that matter more. And I think that's an important, an important factor. And I think this is an, a very powerful way to do that for systems. Now, my last question, and then we'll, we'll do a quick wrap. When organizations are you know, partnering with you, things like that, do they have, because this can feel overwhelming. There's a fair amount. And if you haven't been doing it, this can be a bit of a shift. Do you help support clients through that? Because if they don't have the resources or they just maybe need some guidance, is that part of the implementation process? Yeah, so this is this is kind of how we did. I mean, we learned a bucket load in the early days, right? And we we made many many errors. I mean, we went out there, told people it was easy, and you know, <laughs> you know, and then I had to turn up and you know, hey, I'm sorry, we made a mistake, right? Yeah. And so look, this is this is how it works with us today. Um, I, I was on a call today with a client. Says, okay, let's get going, and I said, stop, and they said, stop. What do you mean stop? I said, before we move any further. Um, I need you to give me the names of the five people that we're going to take through Walk Me University. Okay. And, and, and the customers, the prospect said to me, um, what if we don't have them? And I said, well, then I can't sell the solution to you. And my sales guy nearly had a heart attack, right? <laughs> and, 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 and the client said, Raj, I don't understand. I said, listen, right? You need to have internal capability to at least understand what the platform can actually do. Right. And once you understand what the platform can actually do, you're then in a position to provide advice. Who builds the stuff? It doesn't really matter. To me, that's the commodity side of the house, but that's the first part. Okay. So everyone that comes through us now goes through the university to get to get enabled. Now, in terms of the delivery of the content, in the initial phases, if you know you're doing it on one or two applications, yeah, you can have a builder, two builders internally, you can buy some services from us in the very first part of the implementation, we will do the bulk of the heavy lifting, right? You insert your team into that program, right? And they'll get involved into it. Phase two, you pick up more of the, more of the heavy lifting. Phase three, off you go. Now, as you do that, what's really, really important is, you know, if you understand what we're doing in a digital adoption platform, you'll realize it's not just about one application. It's about all your technology. And when you're thinking about all your technology, now you've got to start thinking about your center of excellence that you're trying to build out. And when you're thinking about your center of excellence, you're now thinking about different target operating models. And when you're doing that, you now have to make the conscious decision around, are you going to build um, the center of excellence in a central function and then push out into the business units or are you going to have capability in the business units that comes back to a central model? But, you know, those are evolutionary models that, um, you know, organizations are starting to think about because we've got customers that started with, you know, one or two apps, and now they're across 37, 38 applications in an organization. So, you know, it's a bit of a blend. Great. Well, and and that's that's extremely helpful. And I think the theme the theme of this is it was it was great to see one how some of this stuff happens because I think too often we we think about well how do we iterate and make slightly better what we're already doing and this really was an opportunity to think about if we could do what is the right thing to do to solve that problem without the how are we doing it today let's let's reimagine that and i think this is a powerful way to think about that so i, I appreciate you being here i think a, a big theme for everyone to take away is start like with many things start with the problem 
and reverse engineer it if you're going to make the most of of any technology solution, whether it's a DAP, whether it's an LXP, whether it's whatever it is, think about it that way. So Raj, this has been phenomenal. I know it is so late for you. Thanks for staying up and making the time uh, and for being here. Thanks everybody for watching. Like, share the show, comment, uh, and tag in, and we will we will follow up on those. And, and thanks for everybody who's participated so far. Uh, thanks for being here, and have a great weekend. Thanks, everyone.